Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Diane Cunningham. She is author of several books for women entrepreneurs. She has founded and is the president of the National Association of Christian Women Entrepreneurs, and she has a story to tell, one of many, I believe, that will encourage and inspire our listeners and help you to discover your own purpose in life and how to go about fulfilling that. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Angela, for having me here. I'm very excited to share my story today. Thank you. I'm excited, too. Of course, we've been connected on Facebook, and I've been associated with your group, the National Association of Christian Women Entrepreneurs, for some time now, and love all the things that you're doing over there and all the support and training and teaching you give to women who need that to pursue their own hopes and dreams. Before we talk about that and and some of your writing and the things you've done with the books, can you start with a little bit of background about you, perhaps your early years, how things led into your early career, that type of thing? Sure, yeah. Um, my career, my journey started out as a counselor. I have my master's degree in counseling, and I got that um, because I knew I needed I needed counseling as I was growing up and as I was journeying through life. Uh, I... I sought out counseling and really learned about that profession by the healing that I went through Mm -hmm. and then decided to go into that as a career and as a profession. So uh, that's how I got started and I got my master's degree in counseling and worked for a long time with domestic violence and addictions and in an employee assistance program. And, And that was that was a healing part of my life. It was a gift to me as a result of that. Some things took a different turn than I was expecting as life always does. Mm-hmm. And that, that led me, that led my story to change drastically in a way I wasn't expecting, uh, which uh, we can get into either now or, or as we go along through the interview. But my life changed and I couldn't work in that field anymore related to a choice that someone else made and the effects it had on my career and that's how I ended up in coaching and speaking and working with women as a life purpose coach and of course then farther down the road that all led to me creating the National Association of Christian Women Entrepreneurs that started out in counseling and really I mean my main thing that I love is I love people. Mm-hmm. I I love people. My my undergrad degree was in communication. I loved I love connecting. I love when we can communicate that's um, more way easier for me than Excel spreadsheets or any num you know numbers or any of those things. It just comes naturally to me. So I love the sharing of of people's stories, the journey. How did we get where we are, and how can I help you get to where you want to go next? Mm-hmm. That's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I one of the things that I know to be true about the messages you share through the association and, and inspiring and encouraging others is to really live out your passion and purpose. And so it's so important for people to understand that if something isn't really a fit for them and they're not passionate about it, it's probably not the thing they should be doing. 
Exactly, exactly. And I, I know that sh- that changes and shifts. And if we aren't paying attention, we can get stuck in a role or a uh, model that is not working for our personalities as we grow and as our lives change and evolve over the years. And and we really have to be paying attention to what, what is our passion, what, mm-hmm. what lights us up, um, and then be totally devoted, mm-hmm. relentless Absolutely. about chasing that. Chasing that down. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned some things that needing therapy in your childhood, and you mentioned having evolved from your childhood on to discovering that you wanted to help people and, and be a therapist. What were some of those things? Because, of course, those lead into how you were able to deal with the challenges, if you will, that impacted your life later on. Well, yeah, throughout my childhood, um, I would say I struggled with depression. That was one of the issues that I struggled with as a grown, growing up. The family that I was in was um, intact. Um, my parents got a divorce when I was, basically when I was about to get married, my parents were in the midst of a divorce. And so they stayed together for a long time. Uh, in fact, I think they stayed together longer than was healthy. But I was the oldest. I was the oldest daughter of three girls, and I... I, as a result of that, felt this compulsion to take care of everybody, mm-hmm. take care of my sister, to take care of my mom, to be to be kind of a buddy to my dad. And I just, I took all of that into me, and I didn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, so part of the struggle I went through was depression. Some of the other struggle was eating. I basically really had an eating disorder and would say I still struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is eating too much. And then uh, during a season when I was in high school, I chose to stop eating because I thought, well, I'm sick of it. You know, I, I don't want to be like them. And I remember this distinct thought. I don't want to be fat like them, and I'm going to do anything I can, meaning I don't want to be, uh, I guess, big-boned mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like my family. And I, I, I thought I'm going to do whatever it takes to be thin. Right. And, and and I worked very hard on that and basically um I would say I was anorexic. I I I stopped eating, I ate very little, I exercised um compulsively and in fact I stopped having my period for six months, which mm-hmm. shows you that, you know, the the degree of how things were going haywire. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that was just one of the pieces. Uh, I was just I was looking for love. I was looking for uh, worse. I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for um, all the pieces of the puzzle that I couldn't seem to find. I felt like I, I felt like I needed too much, and I couldn't figure out how to fill that hunger up, Angela. I couldn't find a way to fill up the hunger, mm. and to to to. I felt like I was too much, just too needy, mm-hmm. too emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's powerful. Great observations about yourself, also. And something that I'm sure a lot of the listeners can resonate with, whether they're going through that now or have gone through something similar. What was the turning point in that that helped you to seek help or get help or start changing that mindset, if you will? Well, I really think the turning point, there was a couple different pieces of that. I This was all happening in California, and I had applied to go to a college, a small Christian college in uh, Washington State, and my mom was very encouraging to me in that, Um, 
And I believe that leaving home and being able to go to a, a new location, it was very hard, very challenging. I remember feeling very homesick, even though I desperately wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to begin to find my own voice. Mm-hmm. I was begin, I was able to kind of unwedge from the fixing and the, the codependency and taking care of everybody else except for me. Mm-hmm. And so getting away from that, that dynamic was a turning point. It was a, I believe it, it changed the course of my life and it gave me a place where I could grow, learn. That's where I, I found um, this, you know, got my degrees and, and um, I created a, a place for myself that I felt I was very worthy. I was mm-hmm. very validated. I was very much able to explore who, who is Diane, right. who, who is she. And so I think that was the main thing is, is that those 18 and 19, uh, those early years, those college years, and then having, having some amazing women mentors that during that time mm-hmm. changed my life. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I know that that's really something that helps a lot of us, not just women, but men too, is having that support system, someone to talk to, someone to trust, someone that you can share with, and someone who certainly can be a good role model. And I always recommend people reach out to others because there's often a lot of people around us who want to help and can be that person for us. What would you say to the listeners who may be going through what you were going through and struggling maybe even with the transition of going from child to adult, young adult? Were there things that helped you to survive those years of turmoil? Because as you know, some people do other things. They become addicts. They consider suicide. You had an eating disorder what are the things that got you through, though you weren't completely healthy and healed? Are there tips that you can share with the listeners to help them along this journey? Well, and I want to actually be very very authentic here and say there was times where I did consider suicide myself as well. Mm. And, um, and, and I think that, and actually I was thinking about this just uh, over the weekend because of the, the suicide death of Rick Warren's son. Mm-hmm. And... And, and that's the, that's the journey. Uh, a client of mine killed himself, which led to me losing my career as a counselor. Mm. So I, I think that we really have to, and, and I was hesitant about talking about that for some reason yesterday when I was, um, posting about that on social media. And I don't, I'm not quite sure why I was, but, uh, I want to, I want to just acknowledge that, that, you know, the things that, I struggle with um, addictions. I, I, I really believe I have a very addictive personality. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, I can easily go down the wrong road, whether that's shopping too much, eating too much, uh, being very people-pleasing, um, drinking too much. I mean, there, you know, it, I mean, there's many things that it can it, it just It's called the um, addiction amoeba. It can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so as the ways that I coped and the things that helped were counseling, making sure I, I always had a counselor or a, a support group where I could be real, where I could get feedback, support, mentoring, um, perspective. And many times that was very official with a counseling, with a counselor, a mental health counselor. Other times that was a, 
a, a group, a support mm-hmm. group. Other times that's in my life, it's been a divorce recovery group. Mm-hmm. But I believe we need a, uh, we need counseling. I believe exercise has been a key factor in my getting healthy life. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is, I mean, it's a non-negotiable for me. I walk, I run, I do Zumba. I, I know that I need to do that for my body, but I really, more importantly, I know I need to do that for my mental health. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. keeps me sane. <laughs> it keeps mm-hmm. me sane. One of the other pieces is definitely the, the things I put in my body that, you know, how I eat changes how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. It, and so eating, exercise, and and really journaling. Journaling has been a huge factor for me, Angela. I I have journaled all the way through, and in fact, I just recently moved. And when you, when you move, you realize, oh, my gosh, I have like three giant plastic tote tubs filled with journals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what else to do with them except move them with me. They're my, they're me writing my story. They right. are me helping myself by, by putting it out on paper and then, and then praying over it. Normally, I write, a, I just, I pour things out and then I write a letter to God mm-hmm. in, in that journal. And of course, that leads me to faith. I mean, my faith has, has sustained me, has kept me going, has got me through. Um, everything from all these things in my early years to my divorce that I went through about two years ago, a plane crash, and all the other things that just happened in your life that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which there's always many for, for all of us, and that's something that I love about people like you who are authentic and vulnerable and will share their story because sometimes from the outside looking in, we look at people and think, oh, they have such a great life, they're so happy, they're so successful, but we all have a story and we've all been through different things. So I I really appreciate what you're sharing and your openness. And I think it's important for people to realize that there's different ways for you to get through your struggles and finding the right way for you is critical. So maybe it's a mixture of all the things you just mentioned, maybe it's one or two of them, but do something to help yourself get through the mm-hmm. obstacles and the challenges because you do have an option to not give up, to not go down the path of no return, and to really find a way to grow and heal and learn through the process of, of your tragedies, if you will. Yeah, we really do. We do have a choice. And we, each day, and what I love about life. I really, I really love life. In fact, I, I don't struggle with depression anymore. There's days that I feel down, but for the most part, I've created a life that works and keeps me on in in a different mindset. And every single day, every hour, we have a choice and we can, we can turn, we can look towards the negative or we can look towards the positive and that's a mental practice. It's a decision. It's about who you're surrounding yourself with. It's about the fact that you get a do-over. God gives us, God gives us all another do-over every single day. That's right. And I just find, find that to be very hopeful, very inspiring. And we have so many choices and, and it just, it, it's about creating a string of those choices mm-hmm. and creating a consistent habit and that changes our life. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to touch back again then on the idea behind loss through suicide 
I know that's a big topic right now. As you mentioned, Pastor Rick Warren's son has committed suicide over the weekend after years of struggling with mental health issues. And you mentioned losing a client to that. What do you say to listeners, whether it's a family member, a friend, a client, that have lost someone to suicide and may perhaps feel some guilt there? Well, I know... Uh, I know what it's done to me. I know what it's done. My uh, suicide was a part of my family too. My um, my my dad's brother killed himself right before I was born, about two months before I was born. So I never got to meet him. And there was a family shame and and this. I didn't even know it had happened. They kept that from us for many years growing up. So there's this guilt. There's this shame. There's this kind of secret secrecy. Mm-hmm. And I know what happened to me when with the death and uh, the suicide of the client that I had, it, it led to me having a lawsuit filed against me. It mm. led to the loss of my career. It led to really a, I mean, it changed my life the day that he made that decision. Mm-hmm. And it changed, of course, his wife's life and the, his children's lives. And, and, and what it, what it, what it did to me is for many for about a decade, I felt like I had to pay the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it came out with me feeling like I was unworthy and that I, w- I wasn't able to get paid for my work. And that somehow that would pay his dad or pay my dad or pay, pay off the sadness. Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't the truth. Right. And I've had, to, I've had to fight through that. I've had to work through that over and over again of the fact that I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't have to pay for his choice any right. longer. Right. Mm-hmm. Powerful. And that's, yeah, it's, it's very powerful and it's affected my, my feelings of worthiness. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe, I mean, all the women that I work with struggle with, with worth and struggle with how much is my value and how much do I charge and, all this mumbo jumbo stuff that I think happens because of being a woman and being a Christian Mm -hmm. and then owning your own business too makes it just totally confusing. Mm -hmm. And, and so I believe that part of my message and even just in the last three months, Angela, I've, I've had to do a powerful, hard, hard mind shifting with myself to, to, to to raise my prices Mm -hmm. and, and just, I've had to have a coach to help me do that because of all that baggage in the past. I'm so glad that you shared that because I think those are all good messages for everyone to hear. You know, there's things that happen in our lives that affect our worth. There's things that we carry from our past story, our childhood, that affect our worth. And, and that is so key is knowing what your value and worth is and and knowing where to take responsibility, but not to take the blame. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and I think we can't get there ourselves. I, I, I firmly believe that now because I tried for a decade to unleash all this stuff and get myself unhooked. And, and I believe that it took a team of people Mm-hmm. And a, a great deal of hard work on my part to to go to bury those to bury that baggage or just acknowledge you know what that's not my baggage to bury really mm-hmm. that makes um, sense. because yeah I mean I was carrying all these suitcases that weren't mine mm-hmm. and I think we do that so often and we don't even know we're carrying them we're so used to it 
they're, you know, it's just like, oh, well, this is how it is. And we just trudging down the road with these, these uh, big tote bags. Mm-hmm. And it's a powerful thing when somebody just stands there with us long enough and, and says, you can let it, you can put it down. Right. You, know? <laughs> right. you know, and, and, and we have to help each other because we get so used to our own story that we believe our story is the only is the only way anybody can see it. That is very true, and and I think you're right. We tend to latch on to that story, especially from our early childhood, our past, and all the things that we say we are because of this story or that story. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate that you've shared that because that's where the hope lies, is that we can change the story. We can change the way the story's happening now. We can change the ending of the story, and we can certainly change the legacy that we leave behind from one that... We might not feel as proud of or happy about to one that we can say, we know we gave it our all, we did our best, and we put forth an effort to really live our purpose. Let's talk a little bit about, I know you mentioned going through the divorce. You've had obviously a lot of things that have been challenges and obstacles for you. But before we talk about the association, can you share with the listeners about the plane crash and how that impacted your life and some of the ways you dealt with the after effects of that. The plane crash uh, happened about two years ago, it was March of 2011, and th- this was me and my. I was married to him at the time. My my husband at the time, Robert, and he had just gotten his private pilot's license, and we were going to. Things were things were very rocky, uh, turbulent, so to speak, in our mm-hmm. marriage at that time. Anyway. And we had been in counseling for five years, actually, and worked very hard. And I was I was very determined because I wanted the marriage to work to not to basically turn over every stone possible. Mm-hmm. And so the plane crash occurred, and basically as we were landing in a small town, it was just the two of us in a in a little tiny plane. And as we were landing in Graham, Texas, we hit a wind gust, and the first wind gust he was able to recover from the second wind gust he didn't recover and we are very close to the runway I would say maybe 20 to 30 feet above the runway and as that gust hit I, I of course and I didn't know this until after the fact what had happened but we ended up sliding bouncing across that runway another dirt field and another runway and then landing in another field Mm. And uh, it was very frightening. I believe the entire thing was possibly about 11 seconds of mm. the sliding, bouncing, and I could, we couldn't. I couldn't see out the windshield, so I didn't know which way was up, and which way we were going to land. Every time I tell this story, I can I can feel it, um, and I can feel it that those horrible, frightening feelings. And so once we landed, uh, the first thought was, am I alive? And mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and then I remember thinking, well, am I bleeding? No, I wasn't bleeding. And I looked to him and he's, he's okay and he's not bleeding. And, and then the next thing was, let's get out. Of, we need to get out of here, out of this plane. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was going to blow up, had no idea what was happening. My wheel, the wheel on my side underneath the plane had basically hit a runway sign and buckled. And so I, the door on my side was not unable, unable to be opened. We climbed out the side of the plane uh, on his side. And I, and I just remember getting as far away from that plane as I could, as quickly as I could. I bet. And, 
<laughs> sitting down on the Texas dirt and thinking, uh, well, that was when I, I just, I started praying, I started crying, I, I, my breathing was very um, shallow, and, and then just the next thing, realizing how incredibly quiet it was, mm. it was quiet, I could hear the wind, and I, and I honestly remember thinking, I don't know if anybody even heard that. I don't know if anybody knows that we have crashed. Then within minutes, all, all the sirens and uh, the town was, the town was very small. So pretty much everybody in town, every emergency personnel around swarmed to, to check on us. I'm sure they thought they were coming to body bags, you know, mm-hmm. to fill up some body bags. Mm-hmm. Because it could have ended very different. Right. Very different. Right. And so from, as a result of that experience, um, I have realized that I've learned three lessons from that that day, and um, it was a very eye-opening for me to walk away from that. The lessons I learned from that, basically life lessons from a plane crash, that's what I call it, is that life is short. Number one, life is short, and, and we all kind of know that, uh, but it becomes very, much more apparent when somebody you know dies in a car, car accident or somebody you know is dealing with a life-threatening cancer, mm-hmm. or when, when a cho- like Sandy Hook, when San- like some tragedy occurs, you just think, how can that possibly happen? Like, and so life is short, and it's our job to live with passion. It's our job to build a story and a legacy that we believe in mm-hmm. and to, to not wait, to not wait on that. That's right. And but, the second lesson that I learned from that plane crash is the lesson I call uh, love is free. <laughs> and that's not just a hippie thing from the 60s, but uh, <laughs> love is free. And what I mean by that is, is that I learned that day that I want to tell people every time I feel that I love them. I want to share my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good at that anyway, but it was driven home to me that I want to tell you that I'm so glad we're friends. I want to say thank you so much. I love you and I and give hugs and love. And so really for me, that lesson is about not waiting till Christmas, mm-hmm. <laughs> not mm-hmm. waiting till the birthday card you send is just being very open with your feelings and loving on people, the people that God has given you. Mm-hmm. And then the third lesson, and I call this wind happens, W-I-N-D, wind. And for me, I mean, there was a big wind that happened that day, uh, but we all have wind. Uh, we have wind every day, whether that is a traffic jam, uh, the car that won't start, a bill that comes in the mail, uh, the fight you have with your spouse on the way to church. And it's how, how are you going to handle your wind? How will you handle it? Right. And and what, who is your source who's going to help you with your wind, which for me is God. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other piece is how how are you not going to pull everybody into the tornado with you? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I think we tend to have wind and then, like, you know, swirl it up even bigger and bring everybody with us. And, and you know, we, that's not how it has to be. We we can learn to deal with our wind in better ways and um, that's our job. Wind mm-hmm. is going to happen. There's there's nobody that doesn't have any wind. Mm-hmm. You and me, we all get wind and it, how are you going to manage your wind in the best way that leaves a, a positive influence? Right, right. That's powerful. Wow, great learning and, and I love that when people do experience something scary, tragic, whatever it is, and they go back and, and learn from that because it wasn't 
for no reason in particular. It didn't just happen. It was for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And what's beautiful about it with you and, and many other people too is is that you're taking that and running with it and sharing that knowledge and wisdom with other people to touch their lives and change their lives for the better. And that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And I know that's a lot of what's happening at National Association for Christian Women Entrepreneurs. Can you share a little bit about how that came about and what exactly the mission is in that organization? NACWI was born three years ago, uh, May of 2010. Basically, I've learned over the years that I tend to, if I see some, see a need, I I tend to create it myself. Mm -hmm. So I felt a void. I felt a need. I was a coach. I was a speaker. I was I was trying to figure out about writing books. I was doing all these things, but I felt isolated. Mm -hmm. And and I this was as the beginning of social media was getting started, and I thought, well, there. Well, and definitely it was a God idea. The year before Natalie was born, everything I started failed miserably, and I got I had a lot of trouble with mentors that were basically dumping me. And I, I, there was many days the year before that I spent crying in my office, mm. and I really thought, "What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Why am I Why am I still believing in this crazy entrepreneur pipe dream? Go get a job, Diane," is what I said to myself. And I went on a lot of interviews that year, actually. Mm -hmm. And God has a way of giving us something, and if if it's from Him, it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. It's going to keep coming back to you, even though you keep trying to avoid it. That's right. So <laughs> I finally listened, and I just know, well, if God tells me to do something, I'm supposed to do it, whether it looks successful to the world or not. Mm -hmm. So I created NACWI, and it took off right away, and we had 165 women join during the first year. And what was really powerful and, and the way God really, I could see God at work was the first few people that joined, of course, they were, they were connections of mine from my previous journey or they were, they were followers, followers of me or they had been my coaching clients. But was when I started to see God in action was when I began to see people that I had never met, mm -hmm. people that were not my Facebook friends join. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, how in the world did she find out about this? Mm -hmm. And and I just sat back and I just watched. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I did a, few, a little bit more than that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of work. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of work going on. Uh, but basically, so what, what we do and the reason we have been so successful is because we help women get the connection they need. Mm -hmm. We Our three words are connect, create, collaborate. And we are a non-judgmental place for them to get the training they need on marketing, on mindset, on mission, and for them to feel safe enough to ask a question to, to find out how to market their horse training business or mm -hmm. to learn how to send out emails for their jewelry business or to, I mean, we have all, we represent all different types of companies and women, but we all need to learn the same material. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the main thing that I believe has uh, really set us apart is it's about it's about having a safe place to have that support and sisterhood mm -hmm. and prayer and then to go back out and do what God has called you to do. Right, right. So very empowering. And I love that idea because I know even, you know, in certain circles that are 
women-based and, and friendly, there's so much competition. And so it's wonderful right. to have an organization such as yours where competition isn't the goal. The goal is collaboration and, as you said, connecting and creating more for each of us. So we're really not in competition. There's there's plenty for everybody, and it's changing that mindset that really helps. We have so much room to grow. We have such a foundation of women that are committed and growing. And we add, we've added and changed things and adapted, of course, over the years. So now added a quarterly membership. We have a yearly option. We have virtual conferences. We have live conferences. And so it's a moving, growing the business is moving and growing just as I am and just as each of these women are. And, mm-hmm. and the great thing about being an entrepreneur is while I was going through these huge life changes, the business carried on. And, and that's awesome. You know? Yeah. And I just think of so many other... For a while, I was very hard on myself about the fact that we hadn't grown. And, and you know what? God is a God of grace. Mm-hmm. And, and being an entrepreneur is about having the flexibility that you can take care of yourself, get get the support you need, do what you need to do, and continue to build a business too. Right. That's right. And I, and really it's not about the numbers. I'm I'm definitely not a numbers person because my theory is when we're changing one life, that matters. Right. And the ripple right. effect of impacting or changing or empowering one life is huge. And I think that's what mm-hmm. people need to remember and certainly to focus as an entrepreneur on what your purpose and mission is and what your goals are and not have that unrealistic, if you will, vision of it has to be a thousand or a million or Oprah size. That's not what it's all about because I hear stories all the time of people being encouraged and lifted up by your type of organization, your organization itself, people like you, you know, and it's just amazing what that creates in helping someone, again, going back to part of your story, helping someone to feel their worth and having that place where they're accepted and embraced for who they are and where they're at right now. My my philosophy is just the same as yours. is really about each one reaching one. It's really about... Yes. As long as I have helped the women that God has given me and I know I'm doing that, then I'm good. I am good. Yes. And the growth will come. The growth um, is just around the corner. And, and I know that, that God sees the bigger picture and that sometimes yes. we, aren't ready, we aren't ready to grow. And I believe that. I think we, we all want to grow. I know I'm, I'm, I am definitely a, um, an action girl. Mm-hmm. And if I had my way, we'd have a thousand numbers. But you know what? God knows better than me. That's right. Yes, I you believe know? that too. It's all perfect timing. I, I constantly say that. Perfect timing, not just for us, but for other people. Perfect timing as mm-hmm. far as being connected to a particular person or hearing about a particular organization or even an event. So it's awesome that you share that because I think a lot of people, especially as women entrepreneurs who may be questioning it sometime, what am I doing? We need to hear that there's perfect timing, patience, all of it kind of goes together with aligning just right to have the outcome that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And definitely if anybody that's listening wants to find out more, they can uh, come to our website and we've got a lot of really great free free trainings on there if any cwe.org 
And we are every, the first Wednesday of every month, I, I love doing this. I don't know if you've ever been on one of these, but I do the Inspired Business Cafe. But uh, the first Wednesday of every month, we do this free webinar. And I tell you, I love this thing because we do training and teaching. So if anybody wants to come to now, that's open, not just to members, but to anybody. And we, that's where I really invite people to come, get a flavor, get a, get a feeling for what it is to be surrounded we, we all need to be surrounded by women that support us. Yes. And whether that's NACWI or, or any other organization, make sure you are getting the support, love, training, and godly, godly holding of women that believe in you. That's so important. Very, very important. And it's everywhere. So when people say, I, I can't find the people or the groups, they're online, they're in your community, they're in your churches, they're in your groups. You just have to sometimes make an effort to go find them. Yes, yes. How would people connect with you directly to find out more about your coaching and speaking opportunities and to get copies of your books? You can still go to that, the website, nhcwe.org, and I have information there about the speaking. My goal is to be out speaking all over all over the United States this year and on webinars and teleclasses just Shoot me an email from there. And my Facebook is at facebook.com slash Diane Cunningham. Wonderful. Diane, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story today, for sharing with our listeners your heart and your thoughts about how to go about these obstacles and challenges that happen to many of us and how to have hope and faith in that. I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. I'm very delighted to be here.